0: Radio Misfits Podcast Network.
1: From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California. Welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Couture, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week.
2: All right, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with John Myers, Bart Hanson, Sam Couture, and... Elaine, the sardonic meatball hawk, waka waka, Chuck and Brown. <laughs> Holy shit! just gets longer every day.
0: Well, and, oh. and don't forget that my, you know, my, before before I got divorced, my name was Picard. You know. Like, all right. That's we'll, actually we'll the most. My add email address is, starts with. Who calls you, Lily? Lily Elaine Hawk Waka Waka. That was the original name in all its grandeur. Um, <laughs> and the thing that. The thing that I love, you know, most of all about all of this I made up a really long, absurd name because it made me laugh. And now, you know, I, I email with people all over the world as part of my job and they all have to email to Lily, Elaine, Hawk, Waka, Waka at blah, 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 blah. You know, yeah. it's an absurdly long email. It is a completely ridiculous name. And yet they all treat it as professionally appropriate. <laughs> Well, how have you been doing? Um, I'm okay. We actually started quarantine before. Yeah. And so we've been in.
2: What does that uh, mean? I guess
0: 12 12 days now or something like that.
2: Why? Because where are you?
0: Well, I'm in Sonoma, but we had a friend fly in. My daughter, Rachel, flew back from Alaska. She was up there visiting her grandparents and had flown up before things really started up in California. So she flew back and then her friend flew in from France and I realized we needed to, you know, for the sake of reducing what we might be exposing other people to, we needed to stay home. And so, um, so we started that. It's been over a week and a half now. So.
2: Well, that's kind of a unique perspective. What's going on up in Alaska?
0: Well, Alaska, unfortunately things are starting to take off there. The thing the thing about Alaska is there's actually plenty of land for social distancing. Yeah. But of course ha- half the population is in the town of Anchorage and um
2: and the other half's in Juneau.
0: Well, yeah, there's a lot in Juneau. There's a good chunk in Fairbanks and then there's people dotted around, you know, the wilderness. But yeah, things are you know, numbers are small. Yesterday there were 59 cases in the state I think it was but the thing was just a few days earlier it was half that so even though 59 might not sound like that many uh you know it's kind of increasing quickly so my and my and the the whole rest of my family is up there so it's kind of concerning to be honest
2: yeah
3: Elaine since we can't see you here I pulled up a balanced glass And there's a great photo of you uh, (laughs) at the Girl in the Fig restaurant. So I feel right at home. Yeah, oh
0: good, oh good. (laughs) Yeah, I I do like that. My the photo people tend to use of me now is at Girl in the Fig. You know, just to show, no, she really does live in Sonoma. You know. (laughs) Uh, And to be honest, though,
4: uh, you know, in the last couple of years, it seems like you spend just as much time on the road at conferences visiting wine regions and, and, you know, doing seminars, all, all, all of, you know, the things that you do in, in the course of being Elaine, Hock waka uh, Sardonic Meatball, Sucking Brown. Um, do you think half your time outside of Sonoma? So what's it like now? You know, obviously all of that has been sort of shelved for a while. What, what does a traveling wine writer do in quarantine?
0: Well, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of public speaking the last several years. So, some of the travel that you're describing is because of that. And then, but I've been doing travel internationally for years now because of visiting wine regions around the world. So, obviously, I'm not visiting wine regions, but two days ago, I spent all day on the phone with um, small family owned winery owners. A bunch in Willamette, and then a few down here in California as well. And you know, so I'm doing stuff like that. I'm on the phone trying to find out uh, just what people are doing and how things are going. And um, and you know, the truth is that after an entire day of finding out what people are doing to save their businesses, then then there was a lot of like huddling in place, trying not to, you know, melt of despair. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just doing, you know, I done a big pivot back to writing which is good you know i was writing regularly anyway but i'm suddenly you know i don't know an article a day kind of thing something like that um well, well, you know what i'm i right. tr- yeah and uh, you know as some people know i actually got started in wine doing illustration work first and so i'm trying to kind of get my head back to shift towards that but you know, as as used to writing, illustrating, and speaking as I am, when I get really moving with one of them, it becomes hard to pivot to either of the other two, you know, just, there's just this kind of internal process to shift between them that I have to go through, and so it took me, it took me probably five or six days of being in quarantine to feel like I could write again, and I'm still working on the getting to where I can illustrate again part. So,
2: yeah, is that because you like to start something and finish it rather than have three things going on at the same time?
0: I can I can have multiple things going on. That part's okay, but it's just um, it's like there's a different pace for each thing. Like writing, everything inside gets really slow and quiet. I mean, when I'm drawing, I mean, so. I have to be willing to like slow down to that degree, you know, because with withdrawing, you really are literally just sitting in place, you know, and having to be really steady and still yeah. to keep the pencil st- you know steady and st- um, but and then with writing, it's more like I have to ramp up my concentration levels because I need to be building the story in my head, remembering the details, cross checking information uh asking does this make sense wait which part's clearer oh is this a necessary you know so there's like this like high it's almost the reverse or or the opposite where it's high speed but highly concentrated attention and so i have to be willing to put the effort in to do that you know
2: well in talking to people around the world what's going on with other wine regions
0: well i've been um you know, because I do travel a lot, I've kind of been keeping an eye on this whole situation since late January. And um, so I, you know, part of why I was realizing, you know, we need to stay home once I picked up people from the airport was because I've been seeing how this has been going everywhere else. And it was really clear, that's what we should all be doing. So it was actually quite frustrating for me that it took so long for people in California to get that. And, and Honestly, a lot of people are still going out, and they're, you know, some counties they finally closed public parks because people were not social distancing in public parks. Well, in every um, every
1: county, or I mean, every park in yeah. Sonoma is now closed. So
0: did it you is, see yeah, actually? Uh,
1: Henry won the 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 Sonoma yes. sheriff helicopter
4: posted a photo. They were like hovering over somebody who was illegally in Anadell Park the other day. Uh, Kind of looks like a Bigfoot photo, but yeah, they're, you know, (laughs) apparently they're taking it pretty
0: serious. Well, that's actually really good to hear. I've been hearing helicopters, and I've actually been wondering what what it is, but that that makes sense, actually. Um, Yeah, because I kind of live out of town, as I know some of you do, too. Well, actually,
1: actually, those helicopters (laughs) you're hearing are the uh, frost uh, protection um, propellers. Uh, oh, and they've been quite loud the,
0: the last couple tonight. of nights. Okay. Oh, okay, cool, thanks.
4: Yeah, from probably what, like two or three this morning, you know. So, this is recording Thursday in Sonoma. So, last yeah. night,
2: okay, that's good f- to know.
4: Frost alert, you. um, you know, probably started going off at about two or three in the
1: morning. Um, no, that's really was, good to know. It was
4: crispy around here this morning,
1: yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's um, an old, that's an old, um, old story yeah. that has been tossed around so many times in Sonoma is when the the new folks buy their vacation home in Sonoma and it's next to the idyllic right. uh, vineyard and then at three o'clock in the morning the yeah.
0: starts and
1: um, they can't yeah. believe it so
0: yeah um, in terms though to answer it going back to your question about what's going on elsewhere you know so New Zealand is in in the middle of harvest and oh, their lockdown got announced just after people had started picking. And so people suddenly didn't know if they were going to be able to finish harvest or not, but the government did deem agricultural work and wine essential business. So that's still going. I think that it they've shut down retail though. So, you know, we're still able to do some wine retail here. They're not there, but they are able to finish harvest work. They have, they have protective measures they have to keep, but, they're able to bring fruit in and process the fruit. So that's really good. South Africa w- um, went into lockdown just recently and uh, I am not sure what was determined. I'm pretty sure that they were allowed to go forward with harvest too, but the last time I checked, people were there were still figuring that out. You know, obviously things in Europe are really quite difficult. The, you know, our friend who's here from France, uh, you know, it's like unclear when he'll be able to go back you know, um, just because of how things are going on. And, um, you know, this is not a wine producing region, but things in New York City are really quite concerning. And, you know, a lot of us depend on the, the wine trade that, that lives there. And so even if, even if we're used to thinking about wine regions, actually we need to be thinking about our hospitality people and our hospitality people are even more impacted than our wine producers are right now. As hard as things are for wine producers right now, our hospitality people are much more impacted. Most of them are out of work and without a work to go back to in many cases. And um, a lot of restaurants won't be able to reopen, you know, so um, I think we should be keeping up phone calls to Congress. You know, they did just come out with a relief pact agreement, but the truth is we need to keep Calling them and ask them to do more to help restaurants. So, some of the details that came out in the recent relief package don't actually help restaurants effectively. And so, we need to keep on calling to try and get that to go through more effectively. Yeah,
2: I would appreciate that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's personal for
4: Brian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's personal for all of us. I mean, you know, for. Bart and I, you know, uh, and um, one of a, a very prominent winemaker that I talked to in, in town the other day, um, you know, this is a, a winery, it's a big name that, uh, like, close to 50% of their revenue is small independent yeah. restaurants all over the country. And, no, you know, that's, sure. that's a, you know, with that basically gone right now and for the foreseeable future. And, you know, there's some... Sort of retail wine sales going on, but um you know it almost seems like and fortuitously for for us that almost all of the wine purchasing that's going on right now is either online from retail shops, which you know not everybody can do uh, and online or directly from from wineries we're still you know we're still shipping um for yeah. as long as as they let us basically
1: so.
0: yeah
1: so yeah I, that's, often... I mean
0: order.
1: Early.
0: Yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, de- definitely. It, the more people can do to purchase wine, the more they're supporting the wineries, um, you know, and the, and the sales channels, you know, in various ways too. So. Well, we did get a chance
3: to sample a chef's meal last night, given to us as, through pay it forward. Uh, uh-huh. Kyle, I'll get his last name. Kyle, he was the head chef at Ramakut's. And he's doing a Kukle, little thing.
4: Whiskey, and, whiskey or something?
3: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so he brought over some uh, lamb uh, cassoulet last night. A, a oh, gift wow. from okay. Kathleen Hill. And she was writing about uh, today, or excuse me, Friday, tomorrow, um, what's going to be open in Sonoma, who's selling... And doing takeout, uh, who's doing delivery, et cetera. Um, you know, you just want to support those people if
0: yeah. you can.
3: You know, that's the thing. It's yeah. it's expensive to go out to dinner every night. Nobody yeah. does it
0: ordinarily, but now is not an ordinary time. Yeah, no. The more we can support each other, the better. But obviously, we need to be, you know, taking care of our families and and our friends and our community and we each have to figure out what the balance of that is, you know, so.
1: You know, just, uh, while you were talking about it, John, uh, another shout out to the Sonoma Valley vintners and growers, they're sending out an email tomorrow to their 30,000 subscribers. Um, and they've called all the wineries and had everybody call in any, uh, deals or shipping, um, uh, uh, discounts they might have and then all these virtual tastings and whatnot and so um, for those of you listening check out the Sonoma Valley Vintners and Growers website for a list of local wineries and, um, and Elaine what is your kind of thoughts on how wineries are jumping into this virtual tasting um,
0: you have any things well, that you see that are pitfalls or suggestions well I mean one you know I think it's really great people are coming up with opportunities like that uh you know and and there's a delicate balance there too you know it's it's really easy to over flood people with options and and start to push them away inadvertently one of the things i've seen some wineries doing is just coming up with positive messaging that has nothing to do with sales and and the thing is people like i said i've been trying to talk to wineries and What I've been hearing is the wineries that are doing that are actually increasing their sales by not trying to make them at all because people are so relieved just to have contact, just to know how people are doing, just to feel like somebody cares about them and cares, you know, that that that's actually encouraging people to divert their spending in that direction. So I think I think wineries need to communicate out of care rather than communicate out of panic. You know, the more the more we can all the more we can all shift our attention to what does it look like to care for each other right now in these totally unusual circumstances, the more we're going to get that support from each other, too.
1: So, Elaine, um, in your opinion, uh, COVID-19 as a discount code, good idea, bad idea. (laughs)
0: Well, think about how it aligns with your overall winery branding, right?
1: Oh, trust you me. Oh, trust me. Be... It's not me. It's not me. I'm I'm making <laughs> fun of some of our co wineries. Sorry.
0: Oh no, no, I get it. I mean there to be honest, there's some wineries out there that pull tanky shit like that all the time and I would be shocked if they didn't use that as a discount code, right? <laughs> um so you know, some pe- of course, there's an audience for that too. Some people are going to um, be relieved. People are making fun of it in such a pointed way. So, well,
2: it's yeah, easy to remember, would. at least.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that might be a trick, right? If you're stuck home bored, just go around to sales websites and see how many you can trigger sales from just by typing that in as a coupon code. You know.
4: <laughs> you at least get some free shipping out of it. I bet.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Wow, ahead, I just I just went to uh, Naked Wines. Remember that huge? <laughs> oh um, th- Those guys over in Napa that we went to, they got a
0: COVID nineteen. Do you think? Do you think they're feeling? <laughs> do you think they're feeling um, sorry that that's their name right now? I think so. I mean, it's not uh, it's not uh, naked and touching wines, but but even so, Naked Wines seems pretty visceral for the current situation you know <laughs> well there's they're
3: a strange group anyway it's just I thought they were the most callous of, of anybody <laughs> that I'd met so uh I know they don't listen but uh anyway
0: yeah well, and you, I don't you, know you, anything you about deal. them so
4: yeah well you'll have to, if you have time to research um don't you can skip it. You, oh you can yeah, listen to the it. episode that that I uh, <laughs> actually wasn't even there, which is a good thing because I probably would have uh, either said something bad or tried to say something bad, but laugh at it like it was a joke. Um, well,
3: Sam, at the point at that point they were doing how many multi millions of dollars in wine sales, owning nothing. You know, nothing. it's, it's right. those yeah. guys in Napa they figure it out like the prisoner. They don't
0: know anything. You know what? You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's change the subject. Man, so I got to say, the other two times I've been on the show, it's been three co hosts, and it was a really different. We didn't go straight to the throat uh, in those episodes like we're doing now. It's a whole different dynamic when number four shows up. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, quite frankly, I really didn't mean to go for the throat. Uh, however, these are things that we're talking about. And yeah, I think, yeah. I think our listeners enjoy that, you know, we're not being mean. I'm not being mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah well, well ergonic- Go, go, go. No, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say that
4: John is an, you know, an old school Chicago guy, so, you know, the throat is where he lands, usually
0: first. <laughs>
1: right, oh, right, right, right. man,
0: ouch, ouch, jeez. We'll <laughs> i uh i was gonna say so there was this thing going around on twitter everybody's coming up with absurd internet games now right and so the sardonic meatball add-in to my twitter handle came from that somebody the game was you know it was you know it was something like your mo- you know your uh mob name is you know your current emotion plus the last thing you ate so mine was sardonic <laughs> meatball. And I was, okay. you know, at the same time, I was telling people, look, I'm feeling really to the point right now. So if you, ever, if you want the honest truth about anything, and now's the time to ask me, you know? And so I think that's just where we're all at and kind of going for it with the episode today. That's all. Well,
2: and a little different dynamic, just like, you know, every other social media channel, when when you're not actually in person in front of yeah your your attitudes and responses tend to be a little more um sharp and witted yeah (laughs) it's than than when you're actually sitting in front of someone so well
0: and i can't i can't see sam chomping at the bit to get on the mic you know like i normally can (laughs) well (laughs) elaine did you know that
3: sam used to be a stand-up
0: comedian really you
3: got yeah, That's I've great. got a photo of him here. Stan, Sam, I didn't know that.
4: Yeah, until I, uh, this morning. I that was in my in my Reno days. Um, it was possible to do uh, an open mic, like five, open mic stand up, like five or six nights a week. And uh, so I did a ton of open mics and had a you know small like mostly did benefits as far as you know, named gigs, headline gigs, but, uh, you know, I had a couple of little pain, you know, enough to buy myself some booze to drink after the show. Um, you know, I
1: I would never say I was a professional comedian, but, uh, well-practiced. When I I first started following Sam on Instagram, part of your tagline was there was something about being a comedian. Uh, uh, Um, uh, Well, my, my Twitter handline tagline forever, especially in the you know
4: 180 characters days of Twitter, was uh, uh, a long-winded standing, uh, stand-up comic struggling in the Twitterified world. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. I, like yeah. I, can't be funny
3: I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Elaine, what have you been drinking since you have been uh, quarantined?
0: Well, Anything I was favorite? drinking. Re- I was. I was drinking really well there for the first week and then about a weekend it started to bug me that I hadn't left the house in so long and I had a night where I drank really well a little too much and so you know I'm again I'm being real so I ha- I woke up the next day and really felt like hell and so I've taken a little break That it was appropriate to take a little break but I the um yeah, I, I, when we, I realized we were going into this, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to drink stuff I really love. And, um, and so, but I decided I would, I would save California wine, but like, meaning I would, I would wait to open California wine. I wanted to force so myself really into kind of, <laughs> well, um I just thought, you know what, why don't I look at some stuff I haven't been drinking for a while. And so I actually have a good friend who's in Santa Rosa and I don't know, like three days in, I opened a, you know, Villafont uh, C series wine from 2013 vintage. So Villafont is actually Long's South African wine project. Really gorgeous Bordeaux blend from the Paro region, but made in Stellenbosch. And it's uh, it's a completely fascinating wine to me because it's this incredibly refined, gorgeous Cabernet-based blend, but it somehow tastes so profoundly of South Africa in a way that I've never really quite been able to explain or describe. And so it, that the, the tension of that, of it being this like elegant wine, really finesse, beautifully made wine and yet it's still it just having this flavor to it that oh my god it has to be South Africa that's that's really kind of exciting to me so I I um opened up that wine I drank half the bottle and then the, the next morning I washed my hands washed the bottle put it in a bag and then drove to Santa Rosa and put it on my friend's porch and we talked, we like yelled at each other through the w- closed windows. <laughs> and I was like, you know, there's a bottle on the porch for you. Wash your hand, you know, wash your hands and wash the bottle after you open it. So he, um, he, you know, he did that. So we were able to, I drank the wine in the evening and the next day he, he then tried it. So that was sort of fun. And then the thing we've worked out since is um, we've actually gone through our, our wines and figured out which, which wines we both have bottles of. But then also yesterday I got a delivery. He had ordered wine that we'd never had together. And he had two bottles sent to me and the same two bottles sent to him. So, so we've been doing stuff like that. You know, he, he lives on his own in Santa Rosa where, you know, I've got my daughter and her friend here. And so I've been very aware of trying to keep in contact with people who are in quarantine alone, you know, mm-hmm. And so figuring out ways to check in is most important, but just to add a layer of fun to it, figuring out ways to share bottles, even without the same bottle, that's kind of fun too. So I've been doing that. Um, yeah. I had, you know, the night I drank too much, it was champagne. <laughs> um, your
4: champagne is uh, you, you drink a uh, Rosé de Saunier, right?
0: That's your champagne. I really love Rosé de Saunier. Yeah. I really love that. But I, um, I only have two bottles of it. It's not a very commonly made style, of course. And right. so I decided to save that. So I actually was drinking um, just, you know, like white champagne of Pinot Noir. Um, and uh, um, I had a La that night, um, which is a really nice grower champagne.
2: Um, who's, and who's, then. Um, who's got the dogs? <laughs>
3: i do unfortunately i'm gonna go shut him up i'll see you later
2: okay (laughs) turn off be back okay
3: you can just mute johnny don't unplug just mute that's
2: what i was gonna tell him john there's a just in the lower lower left hand corner you hit that mute button until you want to talk okay he's done i'm sorry i just couldn't take it it anymore it
4: was not curry this time that was barking during the (laughs) podcast yeah somebody else's dog for once
2: Well, and Bart, you know, I, I was given a bunch of um, Chenin Blanc by a local um, rep that knew that I was a Chenin Blanc um, lover. And I told Bart maybe three weeks ago, I said, hey, I got three bottles of Chenin Blanc for you. Um, no longer. I, I um, saw you
1: drink all three of them.
2: Well, <laughs> and it was really interesting because there, there was some uh, from Stellenbosch from South Africa. So it was neat to try some from there, a lot of Vouvray. Yeah. Um, but there And then there was some... I remember there was one producer, um, and you can see it on my Instagram account, um, if you see it at Sonoma Wine Lover, but they did a uh, wooded and unwooded. So, so it was the same juice, same year. Oh, yeah, one cool. they put in stainless, yeah. one they put in oak, which was really neat. Yeah. Um, one then, you like more, Brian? Uh, what do you think, Sam?
4: Uh, I mean, I got I got a Coravin in my hand on uh, stainless.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good bet right there. And then, you know, I've been holding on to some stuff for – hospice to rhone i was starting to stockpile a little bit of stuff. I know because you know that the psalms all sort of show off when we yeah. do the Bay lunch mm-hmm. we get to bring bottles and 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 pull out stuff and have, you know do the ooh ah um for everyone so i had a couple of ooh ah bottles but now i'm thinking about busting those open because there's no way i'm hanging on to them until 2021. um what do you got there there you go man?
0: so this is
4: this is my my core my qu- hashtag quaravan uh Part of my cuvée collection. This is a 2006 uh, Fiancé from Domaine de la Baroche. This is part of my uh, Hospices de Rhone.
2: Yeah, I
4: think that this is. Um, it might be like 50% Syrah, 50% Grenache. I can't remember exactly. This is you know one of uh, Julian Baroche's. Uh, you know, he he breaks the rules kind of thing in uh, in Chateauneuf. And it's an 06, and I've this has been in my cellar forever. So I'm going to um, stick the Corvin in it one of these nights and um, see how it is. Sam, give me that bottle shot one more time. One more time? With with the Corvin, Maybe we can I can finally get, like, a Corvin sponsor. They can send me some free argon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know
4: about that. That's all I'm looking for here.
2: That's the real deal. You know, I'm starting to think that that's why Mark, the former som at the Fairmont, that's why he ordered so much freaking wine is because – He had a deal going, I think, with Opus and maybe even with um, Phelps to get free argon for our um, for our Coravin program Uh, because that's why we had, you know, seventy vintages
4: there's a stash of argon that we could break into Sante and I could go
2: raid? No, there was. And then when he left, <laughs> it slowly dwindled. And then I was like, where, where are we getting this from? No one really knew where it was coming from. And then I realized, oh, he was, that was part of his purchasing program. Was it, okay, I'll, I'll buy this, put it on by the glass, but you've got to provide me with the argon. So now that I'm not buying anything, I'm, I'm actually having to buy the, the gas.
4: The gas isn't cheap, man. These, those cartridges, they figured that out. Yeah, well,
2: yeah, and they, especially if you have people on your nights off that are trying to figure out how to use them, and they're going through one capsule a night because they, they think it's cool to <laughs> – <yeah. laughs> right? It's not an air freshener. <laughs> <laughs> they, they think, oh, I was just cleaning it out for you. You don't have to do that. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully, hopefully I can get to some of these bottles that, you know, one of them was uh, one that Bart and I tried at Sonoma's Best that Todd opened up. Um, it was, I think, a 96 Sparkling Riesling that was disgorged in like wow. 2016 or something. It was some crazy story. And I'm like, of course, I got to get one of those. What do you got there? Oh, you got Bart, a dirty and dirty and rowdy. Bart and wants do. more
4: bottle shots. Uh, yeah, this is I got, So this is all in more of the Corbin collection. Hey,
0: a- it's 16. Elaine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, um, I'm hoping I'm not screwing this up. Oh, wait. Okay, wait. I oh, think no. I muted my mic. But anyway, I um, yeah, I was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. I could see if my video via my computer will work, but still just be yeah. dialed well, that's in good. through my phone. You know, That's good. So I, I'm pretty sure I shut off my mic on my computer, though, so you'll have to tell me if yeah, that's no, causing like a problem. problem but like yeah, a problem. we can hear okay, you good. Cool. Great. And then
2: you know what I saw last night. I, I went to um, grocery outlet bargain market because I um, wanted to the see grocery Yeah, I wanted to see what was going on in the wine department. And the only thing I found that was interesting was Agartha. Have you guys ever heard of this? It's I think it's a Pax Meili. It, it, it is a Pax one.
0: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! 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 Now I and recognize the name. Yeah. So totally. I don't think he makes that anymore, though.
2: For sure not. I had purchased a bottle. Maybe like a year or two ago, I got one of those things, an email blast that said, oh, this was an experimental project that he put in oak for 36 months or something. And I'm like, oh, of course, I got to try that. Um, But this was five bucks, Agartha 2017 Syrah Central (laughs) Coast. And I wish I could tell you how it was, but I got so sick of waiting in line with my one bottle of wine um, that (laughs) I just set it down and walked out.
0: Oh, shoot.
2: But I thought that it was, was a good
0: story. Well, I thought it was uh, a good <laughs> story, Brad. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I would, it, it is fun to see these all, these things that we kind of all forgot about, though, you know, so.
2: Yeah, well, they, well, you know, th- that is a dumping ground for a lot of, you know, wines where people just need to make space in their in their warehouses. So, you know, once in a while you can pick up some really interesting stuff. And that was the only thing that that really kind of um, tickled my fancy so I'll probably go back and get a bottle just because I want to try and I want to see it if it was something that Pax actually had a hand in or if he sold that that uh, label but what a freaking name for a no no
0: I'm pretty sure yeah I don't think he sold it I'm pretty sure that would just be his wine yeah I think Um, he would have been
2: yeah I don't I it didn't say his name on it and I'm pretty sure the one that I bought for around 35 or 40 bucks uh, about a year ago, I swear it said something about it it had his name on the on the label. But, um, and the and the one I got was was from a vineyard source that was around here. So I just thought it was unusual that it
0: was a Central Coast Syrah. Uh,
2: but I'll go he's, back and um, get.
0: It. He's he's been getting Syrah from down that way um, for a while though, just on the side, kind of doing a little bit because of like James Barry and stuff like that though. So. You know, yeah. and, and some, I think he was getting more Vedra from down that way at one, some point. If I were, one of those, one of those varieties like that, you know, not Syrah, but related.
2: Yeah, well, it makes me, you know, that one that said this was an experimental project where he had it in, in, in barrel for 36 months. Sometimes, you, you know, we all know people who have <laughs> experimental projects like that going on, <laughs> which, which means... God, I hope this wine starts to taste better. <laughs> Let's right. leave it in there another year. Um, but but yeah. I don't, I don't know if that was the intention of the wine. But um, anyway, fun time to to play around with some. You know, sitting at home, you start to go a little bit stir crazy, and I don't want to drink yeah, really yeah. good stuff. But um, uh, anyway,
3: we had a nice uh, Mathis Grenache Blanc last night with the cassoulet. Oh, It Oh, cool. quite quite good i enjoy those wines and henry's lost his retail license so he's just he got rid of everything he had in stock and it was uh, you know i mean once again support local people and friends um, yeah for sure yeah and it was really good and brian you know i mean it's, it's because of you that i even like any white wines and i'm really starting to enjoy them well
2: and i thought you were talking well, about Peter Greenhouse? Mathis. you're talking about henry mathis who henry that- mathis Okay, who had that tiny little um, Marsan Grenache Blanc um, right. vineyard? And it's like literally in his <clears throat> picture—a picture normal house in suburbia, almost. <laughs> he, and instead of grass, he had a little tiny vineyard in the front. And then instead of a deck on the in the backyard, he had a tiny little vineyard. And I think most of his fruit goes to um, Cynthia, right at Passaggio. A lot of it, and but I first had the
3: wine through you at Girl the Fig. <laughs>
2: Well, as soon as I went to his house, you know he, he used to come into the girl in the fig, and then he you know he says he has a vineyard. As soon as you go and go to his house and you see what he's actually talking about, you have to have some of the wine because I don't know I don't. I mean, it it I guess it would remind me of something possibly in the old world where people would just be making wine at their house for you know generations. That that was kind of the feel it had to it. And he's he's a cool cat, but yeah, I was I like hoping him. to get um, you know, when I unfortunately I don't go on Facebook um, as much as I used to because when I was making my Roussan, he had reached out through Facebook and said, hey, if you need a little bit of um, Grenache Blanc or Marsan to do a blend, let me know. And I didn't see it until way after, you know, probably four or five months later um, because that would have been um, fun to play around with at least. Well, it sure was excellent, I have to say. Where did you you get it from?
3: Over at his place.
2: Well, you just Did went you over made, to his house
3: yeah and okay. uh so he's he's done but uh, i got the last of the last
0: okay cool yeah grenache okay. blanc can be so good for sure it's got that really yep. nice balance of kind of weight in the mid-palate and still you know still lots of length and acid so
2: it's a nice man, if, so man, you can figure out a recipe with uh you know with a chicken with fennel and apple I, I don't know anything better in the world than a yeah, Grenache yeah. Blanc no, with uh, sure. with the little <laughs> crab apples and fennel. Ugh,
4: I can yeah, do that. That's great. I have those things in my kitchen.
2: You do fennel yeah. from
4: Canard <laughs> Farms. I got. I just, yeah. got some. Not crab apples, and uh, I got chicken. I've, nice. I've been cooking so much. You know, I all I do is cook and do dishes and and chase a one year old around my house.
2: I'm with you, <laughs> you Sam. My I'm quarantine I'm life. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, my wife. But, uh,
1: Go ahead, Mark. That's the same that's the same thing, only mine is not wanting 13. So, you know, it's <laughs> bigger messes. <laughs> bigger messes, yeah. And yeah, he still doesn't pick up after himself. I just I can't understand that.
3: Hey, Sam, are you selling duck at your place through I am I'm, I'm not selling duck. Um, but I, <laughs> it is...
2: it hear, is you hear that health department.
4: One.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Um, No, we we have turned 16600 into a a little bit of a sort of underground farmer's market in a way. Um, We're doing weekly uh, like CSA pickups. And, um, you know, so last we started with just my buddy, Ross Kennard, Kennard Farms, who, you know, usually sells all of his produce to Chez Panisse. Um, Is that his legal name?
0: Is that his legal yes. name, Ross? Wow. Ross Kennard,
4: yeah. Uh, so when, does he when, feel
0: as if as if fate forced his hand, or you know? <laughs> no,
4: no, he's just a, he's just a vegetable grower, though. the The ducks are coming from uh, from Liberty. Oh ducks damn it!
0: Alabama. Damn yeah. it! This <laughs> is not the story I was expecting. I really, I thought yeah. Ross Kennard grew grew duck, and I was like, holy wow, that's amazing. But Elaine, uh, I think that's I
1: think you wanted to hear that.
0: Like, I did. Un- I did. Suggested I suggested, and you were like, "Well, I've been writing a little, you know, character-driven movie in my head based on the stories, and you know, we've got the, you know, the tie-dye velour suit-wearing stand-up comic in Reno, you know, and then, <laughs> and then the un, and then the unbelievable turn is the moment when he befriends Ross Kennard of Canard Farms, who sells Canard, you know, <laughs> like that, but."
4: We've been There's friends since there. we
0: were like two years old, and uh, yeah. we we
4: used to, you know, Katuri is a little is close enough to Kakatori. Katuri Canard. that's it. Yeah, that's we used a to branding. Yeah, duck soup, duck soup.
0: <laughs> that's great. <laughs> did he? Did he? Did his family friends give only like wooden pull ducks as as Christmas gifts back in the day? His grandfather. Anytime everybody had,
4: all of his grandkids would get a handmade wooden pole duck that he would make in his wood shop. All, wow. as, uh, Bob Kennard Sr., there. former, former city, city council member of Sonoma, Sonoma, city of Sonoma, I believe. He's the person who's responsible for um, the, used to be chickens in uh, the plaza and in, in the park, but which I think are all gone now. Um, but he also had like the last rooster like a grandfathered in rooster in city limits in sonoma he was the last person who was allowed to have a
0: rooster in sonoma
4: so they've been you know a little
0: a little uh, off brand i have to say but i yeah it should have been a duck right should have been yeah 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 (laughs)
3: Yeah. that's great though well so you see bringing stuff over and you can pick it up there
4: yeah so uh uh, you can you can order vegetable boxes from canard farms you can order duck from liberty duck and they're doing like a once a week drop at the tasting room and you know i'm keeping it in the in the cellar until you can pick it up um and a grass-fed beef producer out of uh like the two rock area you know west of petaluma um silver sky ranch he joined the he joined our underground um, farm resistance uh with some with some meat and some eggs um, and he's another guy, you know, um, when we talk about the the restaurant world and the hospitality side of it, um, you know, you kind of trickle down from there to, you know, sort of this ecosystem of of ag, of farmers, and, and, you know, especially in the world that we all kind of circulate, this farm-to-table, you know, high-end food world, where there's a lot of these farmers that, you know, they're not sending anything to grocery stores, they're not sending anything to farmers markets or CAs. Yeah their entire, engineer, yeah. their entire business is, is restaurant, you know, restaurant wholesale work. So, um, you know, that's what we're trying to, and Liberty Ducks is in that category also. So that's what uh, yeah. we're, we're trying to do a little bit is give those guys some outlet.
0: Well, and, and it, I mean, for, for those of us that can join those kinds of things and get that kind of food, it's a huge relief too, you know, to have access to food like that. So.
4: Yeah, and, you know, take a little bit of strain off the grocery stores, too. I mean, you know, yeah. even, even yeah. on Tuesday, it was pouring down rain here. Um, There was – it's outside, so you have that sort of sense of, of relief. And there was, you know, 10 people lined up six feet apart into my parking lot, yeah. standing in the rain, waiting to, you know, for their moment under the easy up to, to get their box of veggies. Um, You know, it seems like in these times – um how can we mitigate risk and still support our community Yeah, in a, a pretty good way.
2: So. You know, can we get a little shout out to, uh, is it Mark Malicki, uh the chef out there on the coast? Um, out in the town of Bodega. Yeah. Who is, who's still continuing to do dinners out there for pickup and anyone that's in the restaurant industry, it's free. Um, he's just that's providing, he's just providing meals and he's
1: at the casino.
2: Yeah. If you want to yeah, cool. look at his, um, His menus, he's doing uh, uh, green papaya salad, garlic peanuts, bird's eye chilies, palm sugar, dried shrimp, lime juice, fish sauce, uh, braised pork cheeks with homemade green curry, coconut milk, burnt cipollini onions, potatoes, jasmine rice, barbecued lemongrass chicken, lemongrass garlic, white pepper, coriander, fish sauce, palm sugar. Um, And he's doing, he said right now, he's just using a mortar and pestle and fire and doing some... um, Some really good stuff and he just gave a shout out to that chef i know elaine you just posted on your instagram um, account i think it was this morning about the chef we lost in new york
0: yeah 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 Uh, is that
4: was that a coronavirus covid related
0: yeah it was yeah and he was i think he was barely 50 52 i think
2: yeah he looks young i mean i'm looking at the picture right now chef cardo's i i wasn't familiar with him but um he, he doesn't look over
0: 50 no i'm pretty sure he was 50 52 uh right in that range and he's just really especially beloved there in new york and um you know just been in this really lovely hospitable part of the community there and uh inspired a lot of people with both food and wine and especially just his caring demeanor and i didn't really know him but you know the 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 new york community is um really heavily impacted right now. And so it hit home to a lot of people that I know. And, um, and I, and the thing is we should be noticing what we do matters. We need to be taking care of each other by staying home. And uh, because, you know, this shit's real, man. And that's just, that's just one example. And, and, you know, we've been talking about how interconnected the economic side of this is right with, you know, um, People, you know, just like wine doesn't have restaurants to sell to right now, food doesn't either, farmers don't either, right? Well, so that's the economic side of the connections, but we're all, all of those relationships we have through the sales channels, those are all personal relationships, too. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so that's, uh, hearing that, you know, chef is doing the free meals for hospitality folks, that's huge. And the more we can support people like like him, the more we're supporting each other.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've honestly thought about driving out there, and I wouldn't take it for free because I don't think we're in a uh, worse situation than than most people. But just to go out there and support what he's doing, um, I think yeah. it's worth worth a, ha- a half an hour drive. Yeah. So
4: we I mean, so can get out there and pay for a meal. Mm-hmm. his burden and having and you know the, the meals that he's given away
2: and, and maybe even pay for a meal and just say hey put this towards you know the, the next well, person. Well, and that's that the thing out.
0: too. You can, you know, there might be a way to call, call him, uh, and, and pay for stuff over the phone, you know, even if you're not going to drive out and pick stuff up, you can call and, um, and pay for some meals for him too, you know? Yeah. He definitely,
1: he definitely has one of the more original menus ever changing that I've ever seen. I mean, he's very creative. I've never had yeah. a chance to eat his food, but man, it's really something.
2: Well, we kind of make it a point to go out there. You know, when, when Sandra and I had uh, the chef John Ash on our Bike Goes On podcast, I said to him at the end of the show, if there was one place you could go and eat, um, where would you go? And that was where he said, um, he said, well, I'd drive out to. Well, let's say the na-
0: restaurant name again, just so people know what we're talking so,
2: about. So the, the chef's name is Mark Maliki, but he's, um, let me see. At the casino, it, it, the casino bar and grill, it's called.
0: Yeah. yeah out in Bodega. Yeah. So, I mean,
4: I, I'm confused, though. How does the, the Holly and Tolly show fit into that? Is that because that's out of the casino, right? But it's, I have no idea.
2: I don't well, know what that
4: is. That
1: I follow. You don't know what that is. Well, so I, you know, there was a thing going where there was, there were two different kind of chefs operating out of that for a while. It's always been kind of rotating. So I think there was something going on during the daytime and then he was running the night and then, and then for a while there, it was just, he was on like Thursday, Friday, Saturday and there was some other people in there during the rest of the week. So, you know, it's, it's Bodega, not Bodega Bay, it's Bodega. So, you know, who knows?
2: Yeah, I think he's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and he's he's calling it the martial law menu, um, <laughs> and, and he said this weekend, he's going super old school. This coming weekend, cooking on the fire pit, just me, firewood, a mortar and pestle. Um, so he's actually That's doing great. fresh coconut milk and doing all the curries, and uh, so yeah. yeah.
3: And Sam, uh, Bobby Kennard's place is called Green String, right? No, so Green String is is.
4: Bob Kennard and the Fred Klein family, Klein,
2: yeah,
4: and Fred Klein. Uh, but but Bob Kennard always had uh, a vegetable farm on Sonoma Mountain, up Silver Vista Road. That was, you know, even when green, at the height of green string, Canard Farms up there was was supplying Chez Um And then Ross, so Bob Canard II, Bob Canard Senior was a council member. Bob Kennard Jr., nobody ever calls him that, was the organic vegetable pioneer. And his son, Ross, who I grew up with, um, worked for my dad for seven or eight years in the vineyards and has now gone back to take over Kennard Farms, now calling it Kennard Family Farms. Um, And still, you know, was continuing the Chapinese relationship, but had always intended to build a CSA also. Um, and now just kind of got forced into it a little bit.
3: All right, thanks. I just wanted to clear that up for anybody who's going to yeah. order.
4: Yeah, Canard Family Farm
3: on Instagram. Uh,
4: send him a DM. You know, my buddy Ross he grew up uh, on on a vegetable garden on Sonoma Mountain. Is never like much of a social media guy. In the last, you know, in the last two months, he's gotten an Instagram account and a Venmo. Um, so you know, <laughs> these things are pushing people off to into out of their comfort zones for sure
2: yeah well sam i wanted to tell you that i got to turn on someone to 16600 the other day i live in a cul-de-sac and so one of the neighbors across the street came over um, his name's ken he's an old he's an old cat who used to be into um, rock art in the 60s and 70s and i said oh you know let me give you a bottle of wine i said have you ever heard of stanley mouse he said are you kidding I went and saw uh, an exhibit of his over here at Sally's Tomatoes, which is, you know, maybe oh, yeah, three yeah, years yeah. ago or something, and said, so I said, here, take this bottle of wine home. Um, so he, he said, thank you. it's <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> yeah.
4: What'd you give him, Brian? That's the question.
2: It hurt, Sam. I gave him uh, a cab. You gave him a cab? Yeah. Wow. But you know what? He's... I. Brian, Brian, you
1: are never going to drink that cap.
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs>
1: let's be honest here.
2: You're, you're probably right. But and and moreover, and, and I gave another bottle of cab to the triplets mom, too, because it's probably something that they wouldn't normally drink just because it's price prohibitive. Um, so I think it's nice. You know to, what,
0: Brian? I'm if you want to, Brian, if you want to give me a bottle of cab, too, I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> you come see me when I'm working, when when we open back up. I will. I will.
0: I will do that well
4: i was gonna i was gonna ask uh Waka if you know how your wine supplies are doing um and <laughs> I, you know I know you're you're taking you know being responsible with your your quarantine and the social isolation. I thought at first um you know now it makes sense that you you know you have a French visitor um that you know you you've been very public with you know some some health struggles in the last year, and I figured that was kind of where you were coming from with that that you you know didn't need to pile on. Um, but, so if you're not going out and getting wine, let us know. We'll, uh, we're, we're doing deliveries. Um, and I can go and, cool.
0: you know That's awesome. I'll pull
4: some, some of Bart's uh, and yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, uh, see if Todd Jolly wants to throw it on and we'll, we'll, we can deliver, we can leave it on your doorstep, knock on the door. Yeah.
0: Mixed pack, mixed pack would be great. I mean, one of the big things too is I, I've, I posted this on Twitter, but I've moved into the moose meat phase of the quarantine. You know, we had, uh, when I realized that we were going to have to go into quarantine, I did a huge um, shopping trip and got like a month's worth of, of groceries. But of course, you know, so I had like this internal calendar of like staggered food, you know? So the first, the first phase to go was the cheese and hummus phase of quarantine. That was a really nice, glorious three days where it's like, you know what, just eat all the cheese because cheese doesn't keep as well, you know? So we had, three days of eating way too much cheese. And then, uh, you know, and then we moved into like steak and Brussels sprouts, you know, cause Brussels sprouts keep a little longer in the fridge, but we're way past that now. So we're into the, what's in the freezer and my brother-in-law in, in Alaska, you know, he does a lot of hunting. So he sends down frozen boxes of meat and I send up mixed cases of wine. Nice. So, so we're Good eating moose meat from the freezer now. But the, anyway, the point being moose meat, and mixed box of California wine. I think that's a perfect pairing myself. Right. You need some red <laughs> wine. I I, I I took um I took Dane to go drop
1: off some wine for someone, and I was trying to explain that when I was young, we learned those you know we learned the skills of doorbell ditch, and so I was teaching <laughs> them how to doorbell ditch and leave wine on people's front doors. Right. So like put it on the put it on the um front step, ring the doorbell, and run back to the car. And instead of, so instead of he was pretty good at it. Flaming bags of dog shit, it's now <laughs> wine. I wouldn't know anything
4: about that, Sam. I wouldn't know anything about that. Oh, right. No, you were in Cataluña. It was flaming bags
1: of cow shit, right?
2: That's right. That's
1: exactly right.
2: And mainly mainly to people that went to Casa Grande. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: exactly. hey, It wasn't called the big house for nothing. Yeah. Well, we
1: got Actually, you back.
0: Speak, <laughs> Go ahead, Speaking Elaine. of flaming bags speaking of flaming bags of different mammal species how are the <laughs> camels up the road doing bart uh, you know
1: what i just saw um, just spoke with robin and robin as they went by our house we we stood you know apart and uh, they're doing good they're um, you know they've got plenty of supplies and they, they don't yeah. go a lot of places anyway they haven't been able to do of course any of their therapy work which is unfortunate yeah. for them um, but right now, um, they're doing good. They've got good, um, good backing. So they have plenty of feed and our local feed shop's still open and whatnot. So, um, yeah. yeah, we still have we to get you up it. there. We've
0: got to make that connection. I know. I love that. I know we, we talked about it the first time I was on the podcast, but, um, but, you know, you live down the road from a really awesome animal therapy programs, got camels and everything. Yeah they're they're they are truly
1: the best and um you can go on to their website everybody and check it out it's called the lion uh lion l y o n therapy ranch um it'll bring tears to your eyes you see these camels go into these nursing homes um and you know stand in front of people the amazing thing is is that they take the camels on the service elevators um full-size camels it's it's pretty cool pretty
0: cool yeah well and that was actually um I've been thinking about that a lot, actually, because, um, you know, we talked about this before, but in my early 20s, that first half of my 20s, that's what I was doing, was working with camels and other exotic animals to do animal therapy, except out of Santa Cruz, you know. And, um, you know, so uh, for whatever reason in quarantine, I've been just thinking back to that a lot. I think partly just because the whole focus there was, on whatever you have going on personally, if you can channel your efforts towards helping other people, you're actually helping yourself too. Like that was the really big lesson for me in doing that kind of work. And so I think that's part of why I've been thinking about it. But anyway, I was just wondering how are those camels doing? And I, I'm looking forward to meeting them You know, later in the year, hopefully.
2: Absolutely. Well, Elaine, yeah, absolutely. I can't think of a better um, um, part in the script that you're writing, uh, maybe like a Scorsese,
0: <laughs> a Scorsese
2: long shot where you've got the camels coming out of the, out of the truck um, into the service elevator all the way up and then into the room yeah. of these people. Wow, what a great shot that would be.
1: Well, and you know, the amazing thing is when they take the camels, they have a converted horse trailer that they yeah. move them yeah. in. And I would say they only take one at a time, but you're going down the road and there's a camel with its head out the back of the um, trailer um, staring at you going down the road
0: pretty
1: yeah. it, uh, only know, in Sonoma to, County baby
0: yeah back in the day so again i was doing this work out of um, aptos which is southern part of santa cruz county but we had a four horse trailer and we could take two camels in there you needed to um close the separator door though so you'd have a camel in each end you know cuz they they weigh 2000 pounds apiece so you can't have them freely roaming to the very back of this trailer <laughs> you know uh but yeah you could fit you could fit a full-size camel in a full-size, uh, you know, you'd need a two-horse trailer or um, four-horse trailers are perfect for because they just give more room, you know. But yeah, yeah. So camels there's camels
4: are. Guy. I mean, this is not a stupid, maybe a stupid question. Camels are that much bigger than horses.
0: Yeah, they, it, a full-size camel is two thousand pounds about.
4: Okay. How much is a horse? Yeah. Weigh?
3: Yeah. Bart, you got a Probably, horse. You're yeah. looking at a horse uh, right uh, now. Uh,
0: uh, yeah,
1: yeah, you know the thousand to fifteen hundred pounds. I mean, they're okay. they're significantly smaller when you get them, you know, next to each other. I mean, yeah, right. our yeah, our yeah. horses, our horse is very large um, for his size. At I, I, I mostly people. do like side
4: by side wine comparisons. I've never done side by side camel horse comparisons.
1: Right, so maybe right.
4: that's you know things we can do when we get out of quarantine. <laughs> right.
2: Oh, man. Hey, hey Sam, have you gone out in the vineyards at all? Or um... You guys want to, yeah, talk I about want to
4: go out in the vineyards, um, you know, at least for sanity's sake, as much as, uh, you know, also to make sure you're getting some steps in and, and that the dog isn't driving us too crazy. Um, but yeah, I've been in, you know, and, and like a, a, the vineyard work, like I said, uh, you know, in the episode last week with Sandra, vineyard work um, is on the list of uh, essential jobs yeah. and, and hasn't slowed down in fact um you know in a situation where um you know labor shortages as they are in california um we've been able to hire a couple of people who you know would be in like the hospitality side of things and put them to work in the vineyards right now so vineyard work is is ongoing um you know we're figuring out ways of of doing that as as Safely and, and responsible as we can. The nice thing about vineyards, again, is um, you know, rows are for the most part at least six feet apart. So um, we're actually sending people uh, down every other row. So if you're tying vines or you know, pruning's done, but if you're tying vines is pretty much the, the big job right now. Um, instead of you know, one, one person every row, it's one person every other row. Um, we did have, you know, and then, but then you face the realities of it. Is we, you know, we had somebody who um, over the weekend developed a fever and, you know, who knows what it is. They haven't heard, um, you know, any test results, but somebody developed a fever and that was a 35 man crew um, and we sent them, you know, they're getting sick pay for, for, you know, sent them home for the week, which gives us, yes, that guy hadn't been to work since Thursday of last week. So by Monday, you know, we'll be at, uh, you know, 10 or 11, 12 days of, um, you know, to see if, if anything shakes out there. But, you know, you, you have to, to play it on the safe side with this situation. So, um, you know, we're, but we're working in the vineyards and the vines are growing. I mean, you know, yeah, global
0: pandemic. Well, and you're going to get, yeah, yeah. You can't stop it. You can't stop well, it. and you're going to get to a really busy part of, of vineyard work here in a bit too just with as canopy growth starts to really take off you got to really be on it to, yeah totally you know. so this i mean
4: you know back to earlier about you know frost protection work is happening um and the thing that you know for us um you know from the economic side uh, a, a profit center of vineyard management is tractor work um and yeah we're now we're now getting the the tractors running and people out there mowing which is great because basically it's a you know one person drives the tractor and unloads another person um, you know operates the tractor so it's it's socially distant work anyway um but we can at least you know get some economic flow going on that side and and, yeah you
0: know keep people employed so yeah well it's great you're able to bring some people over from hospitality sometimes it's a trick of finding the right person that's going to work with but that's what I've been hearing too just because you know visa approval you know seasonal vineyard worker visa approvals are down from what I've heard and so I've been hearing that too like other you know wineries have realized they can't keep their interns because they got to focus on keeping their long-term full-time employees but but that they've been able to find um, vineyard work for interns instead
4: because of what
0: you were talking about with shortages have you been seeing that kind of thing
4: um you know i haven't seen that a whole lot yet um you know our where we make our wine you know they bring on a an intern later in the fall you know late summer right um so i I don't you know i don't know about from that perspective um but you know it is there's definitely i've been hearing creative solutions for yeah keeping winery employees and, and
0: yeah you know, the,
4: the sales and hospitality side. Um, yeah. Finding well, jobs. So, Some of
1: I, that. I was just going to say, so this is going to co- probably come up here later this summer. It's, it, it could become an issue because right now, if you go to the you know, wine jobs site, there's tons of jobs, uh, people looking to hire interns and start collecting those interns. And if those interns aren't going to be able to travel here, I mean, we don't know what's going to go on as far as travel yeah, and stuff, yeah. um, and especially for things like that. You know, we here in the states might have to find um, people here locally uh, to do a lot of this work. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking forward. You know, six
0: months. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely true. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, we just
2: got a notification yesterday from my daughter's school. She's. We've been pushed back to May fourth. Is now projected return date for the kids. If they go back, we're going to revisit in a couple of weeks. But um, you know, according to Trump, we're we're all going to be back to work um, tomorrow. But um, you know, I think I don't think Gavin Newsom's going to let that um, no. going to let that happen. Yeah.
3: Well, unfortunately, it's also opening day for baseball today today damn. is the opening day yeah you know it's like damn one more thing
2: but i'm telling you john the real winners in this whole thing are the houston astros <laughs>
3: well that's you're probably just, uh, <laughs> i've read that i was reading about that
4: it's totally right on they're like all yeah. of a sudden they are no longer uh, public enemy number one in, right. in baseball now yeah a, you know, tiny and they will they'll see.
3: be listed as the defending world champions next year too two years in a row <laughs>
0: Wow! One of the funnier things I saw on Twitter yesterday: a woman, a woman, uh, tweeted, "Will someone please do sports so my boyfriend will quit talking about his goddamn sourdough starter?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been weird watching all the, the thirty for thirties um, right. on ESPN. You know, I already hate Christian Leitner. I don't need the show on. <laughs> right, he, he didn't even know. Every him. other day um but yeah you're right elaine i've the the triplets mom was working on her kombucha yesterday so i got to watch her filtering all her bottles <laughs> and learn learn everything i wanted to know about kombucha making so people are definitely... which
0: was a lot right <clears throat> i bet i bet you want to have a bunch of books on kombucha making it's like you know um, you're so you're so into those sco- scoobies isn't that what they're, scoobies like
2: scoobies yeah. yeah yeah and for anyone out there that Doggie, does wait, it wait
0: what
2: Scooby, Scooby, scoby so like scooby no, know, with I a know. heart. Of, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but one one trick she learned was that if she used um kiwi so she gets kiwi peels it dices it up and adds that as one of her fruits and um the carbonation was crazy I mean it was when you opened that thing up, it was like a um mike the baker tony coturi apple cider
4: <laughs> well and and as as uncontrolled a fermentation probably right <laughs> yeah <laughs> we were
2: we were using pliers to open up some of those things we had sealed them on so tight wow <laughs> yeah I bet
0: wow yeah man, so I first heard of kombucha in uh that would have been nineteen ninety five I came down to mountain ranch california in the sierra foothills and and um did massage therapy certification out of the back of a converted school bus in the in the woods and story number that, 357 yeah. of elaine's <laughs> <life>. <laughs> but uh the woman that had the massage school was as crazy as that story implies i slept in a tp she slept in her converted school bus we did you know, did the massage classes outside, but she was making kombucha way back then. And, um, and, and, you know, I, I was interested, I was curious, just because I was curious about everything, but, and so I tasted stuff and I, I drank it, I drank it back then, but I got to admit, I got over it and I haven't really had much since. <laughs> well, <laughs>
2: you know, at first, at it's first, not, that, it's that not smith- my jam. Yeah, that smell is a little intimidating at first, but you get used to it. It just becomes a regular I, a regular thing.
0: I think it's great people are so into it and in that people have learned so much about how to do it at home and stuff. It's just not my flavor set, you know, that's all.
2: It, I think anytime you get people learning about fermentation, it's a good thing.
0: Oh, absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. And, well, and it's so cool. I just think it's great people are kind of re-remembering how much food we can make at home, you yep. know? Yep yeah speaking um, of which, give us some some moose meat recipes what do you
4: uh what do you do with the I've, I've eaten elk i've 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 had i
0: don't think i've had moose though uh, well so moose is i moose is one of my favorite meats caribou is my absolute favorite but moose is up there but the big thing is it's actually really quite lean and assuming it was field dressed properly the flavor is incredibly mild. I actually think of it as less gamey than beef, um, which tends to surprise people because people don't think of beef as gamey. But if you step back, you know, cause really, I just think that's because we're so used to beef.
2: Yep.
0: But if you step back, there's a pretty distinctive flavor to beef and um, especially grain fed, you know, but yep. um, moose is incredibly mild, but it's also incredibly lean. And so the big thing is you have to be really aware of how you're cooking it and how fast you're cooking it. And so if you're going to do something like a moose roast, you definitely want the pan on, you want to cook it low and slow. You don't want to dry it out, you know. And it lends itself um, real well to braising, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you can be doing more anything anything that resembles that kind of process of keeping that moisture on it, that's that's a great way to go. The thing I love doing though is making like moose meat pasta sauce, so ground moose pasta sauce that's it's harder to do something you know like going back to sardonic meatball I don't tend to use moose meat for meatballs just because I think you need more fat you know like beef you know so um other types of meat are better for for meatballs but but meat sauce um so good you know but so um and then again if you're going to The thing you have to be really careful about that if you're going to do something like a moose steak, you know, you do really fast sear, sear both sides and then, and then uh, turn the heat way down and cook it really, really slow and really watch it because it, um, it just cooks through really fast because it's so lean, you know. But um, moose meat, again, it's really mild. It, but if you think about what they eat, they're going around eating bark off trees, they're eating you know, tundra plants, which are all like miniaturized berries and tea type plants. And so it's a little more herbal, kind of really clean herbal
1: yeah.
0: flavored meat, really quite light in flavor. Is he using a rifle or a bow? You no, know, he's using a rifle okay there's there's a little bit of bow hunting in alaska but i think it's mainly like um you know around the out, outsides of anchorage rather than you know and some people just because they think they're badass to go bow hunting up there but but yeah. usually um you know the reality of alaska is if you're moose hunting you're probably dealing with a lot of other even bigger animals so um most people are using a right a, you know a, sh- a shotgun or a rifle so
4: <laughs> yeah. oh, it's kind of one of those deals where you don't you don't want to miss, right? I mean, if you shoot at a yeah, deer exactly. and you miss, you're all right. But a moose will fuck two thousand, mess you up. Yeah, well, no, uh, yeah, I, you
1: don't yeah, want to miss regardless. Well, camel looks small. <clears throat> yeah,
0: right. Well, they're probably actually similar size. Moose are just enormous but they're they weigh at least as much as a camel probably um up to a little more depending if it's a bull moose or not but i'll give you some tips okay so here's so moose moose avoidance tips so the big thing is moose can run through anything so if you think you know the one of the problems with alaska is um a lot of it is alpine or um you know or kind of like arctic desert sort of conditions which means you don't have big trees like we're used to seeing in California you have a lot of brush instead small small bush brush but moose can just run right through those so that kind of you know brush isn't going to protect you at all but moose are so kind of long and chunky but then with these really long legs they can also run through deep snow no big deal you're not that's not going to be a way to get away from but the thing they can't do is pivot quickly (laughs) so so juke. If you can find Yeah. If you can find a tree or something, some kind of object that ha- you have to go around, you can get around it faster than they can. So that's like, that's your big advantage. But the truth is if, you know, in some, I don't know. So like in high school, I raced cross country skiing. And uh, ended up, I would be out training in these trails out, you know, in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. And I'd have to out, out ski moose every once in a while and um they They you know they can run uphill yeah they can run uphill faster than you can ski uphill but the big thing is just try to get the hell hell away as fast as you can and then if you really if it really comes down to it chase them around a tree because they're not gonna be able to get around it but um but yeah you do not want to get trampled by a moose yeah (laughs) no i mean i you know i've seen i had i uh
4: friend of my brother's was from Alaska, went home in college, went home over the summer and was in a, a fatal moose collision, like ran into a moose yeah. driving his car. And that was like, you know, I, I, you can hit a deer and again, you know, maybe you're going to take your car to Danielle's and get the fender fixed. So if you hit a moose, um, usually the moose wins, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, probably the moose isn't going to win either but you're definitely not going to, it'll be (laughs) mutual, mutual fatality. One of the crazy things though, is because of that, um, Alaska actually has a roadkill, um, food system. So there actually are like people that patrol the highways. If you know, they can tell how long a moose kill has like a roadkill has been on the highway. And there's a, there's actually a, a phone tree, um, that just cycles through who's next on the list to call. And, so if they find a fresh roadkill, they'll call whoever's next on the list and that person will go out and harvest the meat off the off the roadside. And mm. um, yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. If you, you know, it goes back to that lear- relearning how much food we can make at home. If you know what you're doing, you can actually do that safely, you know. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, Alaska is
3: a good
4: to place to
0: here.
4: self-isolate, like a, a, <laughs> yeah. a, a state that's prepared. For, well, the
0: truth uh, is, uh, half the population transition. of that state lived there for that reason, regardless of COVID nineteen.
2: You know, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Bart Bart sent me a little thing. I was saying that my wife and I were looking at these cheap flights to Hawaii and thinking, if well, if we're going to be if we're going to be quarantined, it would be nice to do it at you know somewhere over in upcountry in Kula on Maui or. Um, something like that and then bart sent me a thing that said once you fly there they're basically telling you that you're there for for two weeks Um, and i don't know what the you know the attitude of the locals that live there saying oh great you're going to come here and bring your (laughs) bring your covid19 to the to an island that's furthest away from any population than anywhere else in the world Probably not the, well, the problem, best idea.
0: The problem is they only have a couple hundred beds in ha- for hospitals for the whole yeah. island system, you know. So actually, there have been protests in Hawaii trying to demand the governor to shut down airports for that reason. Yeah. And Alaska well, actually is trying to, you know, Alaska flights are not shut down either, and um, they're, you know, Alaska doctors actually petition the governor trying to get him to shut down flights. For the the same kind of reason. Alaska, technically Alaska is not an island, but logistically it might as well be, you know. Right,
2: yeah. It's it's so remote. Well, Bart, you want to talk about um, a conversation you had with Barry?
1: Oh, so um, I reached out to uh, Barry, who is the wine buyer at Bottle Barn, and, you know, they've been doing some uh, shipping for over a year now. Um, and I, I, have noticed, or I, well, I pitched him, I said, you know, you have a whole bunch of winemakers, podcast wines in your shop. Why don't you offer that as one of your shipments and we would help promote it. So, um, he is We already got the the promo code, right? Bart. (laughs) COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. It's already done. Um, I only fixate on certain things, you guys. I only fixate on certain things. At any rate, so he's putting together something and uh, was going to get back to me. So uh, that's something to kind of be fun to look at and something I think that we could help promote for them to help their business because Lord yeah. knows that you know they help us.
0: So, and so well, and I do the friend social media here uh, in the near future. That's great. The friend I mentioned who I, we've been figuring out ways to share bottles, um, you know without being in the same place he, he's actually you know the shipment i got yesterday was from bottle barn which i was like to see you know so you can get online and see some, at least some of the wine that they have available that way can, yeah.
4: I, I i know the friend you know through social media that you're you're talking about elaine do you mind yeah if,
0: drew put,
4: yeah because he has a great instagram presence so people should follow along great wines you, you yeah know, and gives love to little producers and stuff
0: no, absolutely. Drew DiMatteo, he's an avid wine lover. He's been in love with California wine forever. He used to um, work for the state in New Jersey and his life dream was to move to California when he retired. And, and, and you know, before he was able to do that, he would, he would time all his vacation time with like release parties for wineries here in California. He managed to get out this way twice a year. And so just by total chance I was at a release party I don't know probably in 2014 that he happened to be at and out of nowhere some man walked up and said oh my god it's talk waka waka and uh he um took a photo of me and posted it on Instagram and that was how I originally connected to him and so you know I thought he was really funny and sweet and so I started following him back and he started um he would respond to certain wines I'd post about. And based on that, I started figuring out what kind of wine he was into. So then if I was at a tasting in South Africa or whatever, wherever, you know, I would send him a quick DM say, Oh my God, I, you know, if you can get this wine, I think you'd love it. And so then he started sharing those. And then, um, you know, so we just became like Instagram wine friends that way. And then he was finally too not, let's see, a year and a half ago now, not quite a year and a half ago, he actually was able to do his, fulfill his life dream, he retired, moved out here, the end of um, not this last year, but the year before, and um, he got out here, and I, I was like, holy crap, Drew did it, you know, like, he's, he's moved to California, and he, um, you know, it's, it's a totally different deal to feel like, you know, a lot of people in a place than it is to actually live in a place you know, and so when he moved out here I was like damn it i'm I'm drew's friend that's the deal, and he's just going to have to adjust <laughs> <And> so <laughs> we you know so we've basically been good friends since, and when I've had big tastings um, that I've had to do at home or something, I like we'll try and run the bottles up so he can taste them and um and then we'll do movie nights and stuff like that. but the big thing is that since he's moved, he has just even more avidly increased his Instagram presence and really tries to support small producers, local producers, especially here in Sonoma County. And he'll do, he'll do visits and tastings and then share information about the wines and share information about events. And so his Instagram has become this really awesome, you know, California wine um, celebration. He's talking about other wines as well, but yeah, he's absolutely a great person to follow. So it's Drew Di Matteo, D-I-M-A-T-E-O, but his Instagram—I to be honest, I gotta look it up. I think it's Drew DMat. Um, that
1: sounds right.
0: Yeah. We'll
1: have to make um, sure yeah, that Drew, uh, we get him some wine for our uh, virtual tasting. Man, yeah.
0: So.
1: Definitely. Definitely.
0: No, for One. sure. He's um, yeah. It's Drew, letter D-M-A-T. Drew DMat.
3: You know, um, yesterday when we were talking to Jim over at CV Wines in Napa, Con Valley, um, he had that idea of sending people out two bottles of wine, getting 10 groups together and doing a, a Zoom uh, tasting with them so they can have one, talk about it, et cetera, and then have one to share with friends. I thought that was an interesting way of doing it.
0: Well, it's a great way to help people feel connected. And again, getting back to that feeling like you care about them and, and, and giving them stuff to do and supporting, supporting the local thing too. I think the more people can do collaborative projects like that, you know, so like what you were guys were saying with like, you know, there's several winemakers right here, right? If each of you can ask two other friends and put together a mixed six pack now of different wineries all from the area, but different sorts of wines, that's just an awesome experience for people that get the box but it's such a great way to expose them to new wine and to support each other too you know well, well bart S- but,
4: speaking yeah. of speaking <laughs> of what do you think sam <laughs> what do you think well um even before we talked to uh the folks at tv gun uh bart and i and with with Brian's sort of uh curation, I think I've been talking about a a, a winemaker's podcast virtual tasting experience um with two yeah, bottles of sellers, two bottles of sixteen six hundred um so we're we're putting that together I think the date we've chosen is gonna be April tenth um yeah. so it gives us a, a couple of weeks to. To put our offers together and and get the wine shipped out. You know, if you get your order in within a week or so, we can get it pretty much anywhere in the country. You know, minus uh, Alaska and Hawaii. Um, in that time frame, and and um, we will put a a time and date certain out. Uh, but you know, it'll probably be mid afternoon Pacific time, uh, yeah. and on on Friday april 10th um for a, a winemakers podcast virtual tasting with the dane and 16 600. cool so and we, we can should be able
1: the... to yeah i was to say we should be able to to do you know um uh uh take questions by way of the chat um side of it um yeah. and uh and it, it should be real fun and then you know if we record it um also uh, we could release it as a podcast for Someday yeah. when uh, we can't get it together. Right. Yeah, cool. That never happens to us. We always it's it true, together. it doesn't. I mean you gotta say something. We 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 are pretty damn consistent on this podcasting for you know, four knuckleheads from Sonoma. it's um, pretty good, guys, <laughs> I have to say. I do know Episode, that. I'm finally, so I, I finally believe that. in
0: John. <laughs> I <I'm> finally <laughs> yeah. believe in John.
1: Episode, I do it. baby.
0: I think it took uh, a full year for me to finally actually see him. You
3: know. Well, you're not uh, seeing me now. It's uh, well, no, no.
0: not in person. Yeah, it's there a pre-recorded you know. loop of some guy that actually lives in <laughs> Turkey. <laughs>
3: no, I'm I'm from the Ukraine actually. I'm I'm sitting on my bed in my underwear just uh, you know, basically messing around <laughs> on the computer.
0: <laughs> well, I I worked out that I didn't have to put on pants today just to be on Zoom, you know? Oh, John so, John, John does that podcast. every day.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got jeans on today, buddy. I All got right. I did my... shower today, though,
4: Brian. I did shower today. Brian called me out last time. I, I looked like an unkempt, sweaty bastard, and I took a shower, so now I look like a clean, unkempt,
2: sweaty bastard. All right. Good, good. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>
3: Well I, as long as All I right. keep a an ice bag wrapped around my knee, I'm fairly okay. But it's a constant. It's twenty four seven. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and there's no uh no going to the hospital for anything that's not uh no. absolute emergency right now.
3: No, they canceled my uh my knee replacement surgery. Yeah. I have no idea when I'll get it. The problem is I just can't walk. I'm right. you know, I can I can use the walker, but no, it's it's pretty damn bad it's really sorry. The good
4: thing is john there's nowhere to walk to right now yeah no <laughs> shit <laughs> I mean, yeah i no, that's
0: yeah
3: anytime
4: to be no stuck shit, at home <laughs> you know,
0: yeah.
3: well all right hey, guys keep, what a nice show just
0: keep a can yeah. just keep a can opener a wine key a bunch of bottles and cans next to your bed and you'll be fine i got it <laughs>
4: that's how people survive winter in alaska right
0: <laughs> no that's right that's right well, it's great to see you guys and, and catch up and know you're all doing okay. I, you know, John, I hope the knee stays manageable. <laughs> uh, thanks. I appreciate that, sincerely. Hey, yeah. Elaine, let me know if you yeah. need more soap. I
1: mean, let me know if you need more soap. I know you've been washing your hands a lot recently. So. Well, no, but seriously,
0: so, I actually, um, we'll, you know, We'll I take care of I...
1: that if you run low.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I um, I actually <laughs> had a moment. We did our month of... Um, Grocery shop, you know, shopping, and I got home and realized soap was the only thing I'd forgotten. And so, yeah, we definitely have been using the Hawk Waka personalized <laughs> soap. So thanks for that. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you
1: for, uh, thank you for all your insight, and uh, you know, always enjoy all your posts and everything. So we appreciate. No, oh,
0: thanks you. a lot. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys thinking of me, and super. Fun to catch up, like I said. So, yeah,
2: yeah. All right, guys. Well, you know, if you want to check out some of the past episodes, you can go to Radio Misfits. Um, Bart and Sam and myself will post on our um, social media channels about um, the ability to purchase those bottles of wine and do the virtual tasting with us. And um, we'll try and pull that together here in the next few days and get those wines out to people because, um, you know, not only. I think it'd be fun just for us to actually um, see some of the people that listen to the podcast and some of the people that yeah. purchase your wines to actually put a face to the, um, to the Instagram handle or the, you know, the credit card, you know, name that you see sometimes and, um, and actually get to, and, and let them um, see us. Cause you know, this is a podcast where we don't do video and um, um, Sam, let me know when you're, I don't know if you guys have already started packing up um, spring stuff and started waxing your bottles. I noticed um, um, someone was just doing that the other day. I don't know if it was Casey Graybell or um, uh, Hill
4: Hill of Tara.
2: Yep. Oh, it was uh, Danny. Yeah, Danny, yeah. Danny, right? Danny
4: and, Danny and Katie.
2: Okay, yeah. And it looks like they've sold out of their um, sixteen, which is great.
4: Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I missed
2: my allocation again. You, you did. Your,
4: I I got two bottles. I'll give you one, Bart. Yeah, no, they, uh, Danny and Katie are using blue wax. So I think we're at, we're now in a gang war, uh, cause I use red wax. We're, we're, the blood <laughs> um, I'm not sure what's next. Uh, but everybody's out of guns and bullets. So I don't think uh, we're going to be able to, to,
1: to <laughs> cheers All
2: right, guys. guys. All right, guys. All good right. good talking everybody. to you. Uh, we will look forward to talking to you next week. Um, Everyone, take care. Shoot us any uh, email or Instagram uh, messages you want, and and we'll definitely hit you back.
0: Yeah.
2: All right, guys. Good seeing you.
0: Thank Peace. You. See you too. Thanks a lot.
2: Thanks, Sardonic Meatball.
0: Sardonic Meatball.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Show of hands. Who had to look yeah. up
4: Sardonic? All right. S- <laughs> <laughs> oh no no. You don't have to look that up. <laughs>